Hi, welcome to Liberty NZ. My name is Grant Edwards. Well, earlier today I spoke with Anne Perrett. She's been up at Waitangi, and here's her thoughts on what's been happening. Waitangi was it was really strange. It was like we went to Camp House and we went to Waimati North and we went to well, we tried to go to Waitangi and we yeah. couldn't oh, because the place was crawling with police. Really? And I. It, it's, it's just so bizarre. I mean, it's not what you expect. So I would say that I probably, we, we probably saw how many police cars? Probably at least 20 police cars, mm. at least, and scattered all around the environ, not just near Waitangi, but, you know, sort of hiding up side streets with huge cameras. And, cameras? Yep, taking what's, photographs what's of... About? People, I don't know. And, I think they're allowed to know, spy on I, their own people. Well, I respect the police as an authority, mm. and you know they have to do their job and safer communities together and all that. But um, so I must say that Waitangi was very odd, and mm. I don't know the answers, but I have lots of questions. Mm. Um, and you know, talking to the locals. I mean, I was on the bridge trying to get across to Waitangi because I was on a hunt for Ruatara's rose. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And. You know, ended up just talking to um, fellow New Zealanders and just saying why. And, and the stories, they're getting a bit out of control, you know. The, the Prime Minister was up several weeks ago paying off three groups. Why does the Prime Minister do that? Um, so, so she wasn't at Waitangi today? No, no, no sign. I, um, I asked a few people and said, you know, was the Crown at Waitangi, given that it's about the treaty? Mm. And I don't believe there were any members of the Crown at Waitangi, and there was a lot of plain... It wasn't just police in uniform. There was plainclothes police. There were police who didn't want to um, declare that they were police. I spoke to one woman and said to her, you know, we're chatting away in a friendly way, as you do, and eventually I said to her, so you're in the police? And she said no, and I said, well, but you're wearing a lanyard. Are you on duty? And she said no. And I, I, it was just full of just... I won't use the word deceit about police in my respect, but there was there was too many questions. It was very eerie. Was, so, she, was she armed at all? Um, Hard to tell. She had a handbag. She had a handbag with a big lump in it. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Probably had a taser in it or something. No, I don't. <laughs> Looking I mean, for you know, Brad Flutie. There's, yeah, yeah, there's two women <laughs> chatting each other, to each other on a bridge, and, you know, who, who are I know who I am. Who's she? You know, just be straight, people. Be, you know, I often say to women, look, just... Play life the way guys do. Just be straight. Don't try and you know hide or give a different answer. Or just just be straight and say to ask guys a straight question. You know, very good. And you get a straight answer. And I've always found in business, which is my background, that you you gain trust and you gain relationships, strong relationships by just being straight to people. So you know, I said to this woman, you know, oh, so I, at the very beginning of the conversation, I said to her, who are you with? And the question was to a person who was well-dressed wearing a mask, and I would expect her to say, oh, I'm with customs, I'm with the IRD, I'm with the police, I'm with, you know, the, the um, Waitangi Tribunal, I don't know. Mm. And the answer Security was, I'm on holiday. Yeah, She's I'm on, on holiday. Ho so she just lied to you. <laughs> strange, strange. Yeah, so, yeah. so anyway. Was there a big, um, the, one of the photos you sent me, and just had two canoes in it, and then I noticed you'd written, and I saw it for myself, just to the right, down on the beach, was a little cluster of media. And I suppose they were in close, so it looked like it was 
you know, a, a larger uh, event than it really was. But there was there's normally way more than two canoes, two waka, I think they call them, don't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what was the... It was well, a, a bit of a non-event. Were, I believe there were four waka. Oh, there were four. Oh, okay. One was a double waka. Mm. One, uh, and, you know, they're spectacular. What amazing craft they are. And it was a beautiful, you know, it's always wonderful to see anybody in a boat. If you're like me, you like being on the ocean and yourself. Mm. Um, one heck of a lot of media up here. There was News Hub, um, TV3, Takarare, TVNZ, but no crown. So it was, and the cameras were only pointed at... Um, the Ma- Maori, well, there were actually very few people who were not Maori, so it's strange. Were there um, any protests thing. at all? Was, was there anything from Napoli? Not that I saw, no, mm. no, but there's a lot of question marks. There's tension. There was definitely tension. Oh, and right, yeah. There was definitely, you know, look, I'm a, an open person and I just say, how are you going? And, and people are not looking eye to eye now, are they? I, I don't like what's happening to New Zealand, and I just think that was reflected up here as well. Mm. All so, masked um, up, were they like the Musketeers, as John Ansell calls them? Oh, well, I think the pe- people who are, you know, the police were in masks, and yeah, that's what gave them. You can spot me. a policewoman or a policeman because they've yeah. got a mask on. Yeah, nobody else has. I mean, this is yeah. fresh air. We live in the South Pacific. We've yeah. got a prevailing westerly. It this just makes flies no sense. Flies to the rate of knots, and it's yeah. like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why do you wear a mask? Yeah. You know. So, other than that, um, a bit of a non-event, you think? Just a just tension. Well, I think the event was digital, but mm. but reality is is in the physical, and mm. you know that's how I feel about where we are at the moment as a country. You know, we think about Waitangi Day, and well, I'm not a futurist. I can't. I can only reflect. You know, look at the future and say, what am I living in it in the present? I'm living in history. It's happening around me, and I just you know reject the digital push that's coming and try and live in reality and sort of say to all my friends, look, if you have if you've got big questions, then get them answered, you know, but you won't get them answered by going online. Get them answered by talking to people who don't look like you. You know, the phone is not your friend. Talk to the person next to you. I think you're right. You've got to get out of the house and go and see people. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah, what I didn't like about the lockdowns. You couldn't do that. You know yeah, and exactly. the whole thing with restaurants and pubs, you know, back when they had you couldn't go in and they shut everything down. It's it's yeah. it's like um Candace, uh, Candace Owen, she says, they treated us like a, um, we, we were like battered wives being uh, abused by our husbands, not being allowed to get out of the house, not allowed to talk to anyone, you know, had to stay in your house. Then they tell you when you can leave, you know. It was just oh, like that. And that's yeah, what this yeah. government has done to us. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I, I, I think it is, mm. you know, through fear, but I, I actually just find it very childish. I think yep. it's um, it's not. I mean, we're all we've all many people have seen through it. At least I'd say, eighty mm. percent of New Zealand. You know, if you sit at a dinner table today and you say to your friends or the you know hopefully the people you don't know across the table and you say to them, if we had an election tomorrow, how many people do not have a party to vote for? And it's surprising. I've heard even today I heard fifty percent and then I heard eighty percent. I don't know who would. I don't know if I could vote for any of them. I don't trust any of them. I don't trust well, Seymour. I don't trust. Um, the, the National Party, whoever they decide to have in the end, whoever they've got Luxon at the moment, I don't trust him. He's a globalist. Yes. So by by trying to control your country by fear, all you do is make people ask why. Mm. You make, you know you force people to start talking to the person next to them, and then they turn on you because they realise that you're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And New Zealanders are we're, we're very socially cohesive. Um, yeah. 
you know, here I am up at Waitangi and there's not many non-Māori or Pākehā or whatever you want to say, but but we all talk to each other. You know, anybody who's around talks to each other. Mm. And, um, you know, we live in the South Pacific and I just say to people, be anchored, you know, get outside, stick your roots back in the soil like a good rose and put your prickles out. <laughs> mm. you know? I'm speaking with Anne Perrett. And, uh, Anne, you're a rose buff and... Uh I hope you find Ruatara's rose. You're listening to Liberty NZ, and uh, now here's Shane Chafin, board-certified pharmacist from Washington, D.C., now living in New Zealand. Hello, Shane. Are you busy? Not, not really. I'm just uh, mm. monitoring the, the happenings around the convoys. Yeah. And uh, did co- do some coverage on the one up here today at the overpass in Kamo slash Tiki, rather. Yep, yep. And uh, very well received. I did a, a live streaming with Counter Spin with Excellent. that. Excellent. So, so there's a lot of independent media who is just out in force on this, and everybody's pitching in together. That's good. We understand what, what this is, and that it's a true populist movement that we've been waiting for quite mm. some time. And this is uh, bigger than groundswell. According to people who aren't in the convoy, who are calling in to talk radio. So uh, excellent, excellent. We'll, we'll see where we end up at. Yeah, they're telling. Um, they're telling me. Larry was telling me that um, they're using Zillow, Z I L L O, to all over the world with this convoy. Yep. That's a. That's a. You use it on your phone, don't you? And it's a. It's a walkie-talkie. On your yep, telephone, I, on your yeah, I don't have it, but I, I was watching them uh, speak about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I was. I thought it was quite interesting. Oh, there's, there's Liz. I'll just invite Liz in. We're just doing a test, Liz, but um, we we're just having a bit of a chinwag now about uh, the, this convoy. And uh, how are you, Liz? I'm good, thanks, Grant. Did, did you um? Confused did about you, what time you were. Oh, no, I'm just doing a test. Sorry, I didn't mean to drag oh, you away. It's just a test. No, oh, I was okay. going to do one tonight, and then I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I've, I've been getting some terrific news coming in. Oh, tell us. Oh, um, uh, I'll, I'll share it with you. Yep. Steph from, um, oh, well, Convoy first. Uh, okay. I had uh, a text from Forrest saying that, he, uh, I think it was Rickerton he was in, and he videoed for 25 minutes the convoy going past. I said, yeah. what speed were they going? He said, oh, it's, around it's about massive. 60. Yeah. They'd move yeah. over occasionally to let others pass, but, yeah, 25 minutes of the convoy going past. There must be thousands of people out there. Yeah, it looked pretty impressive. Chantel Baker was videoing, and uh, I think mm. Sean did, did uh, Shane, you did live streams, didn't you? To, um, yeah, I, with yeah, just, uh, as it, yeah, as it came out of the far north and came into Fongaray and then met up at Kensington Stadium, which it was a bigger turnout than I've ever seen. I mean, you could tell yeah, there was a brilliant. change happening, like right there. And then as I drove down uh, Fongaray heading south out of Fongaray, there were people at different points all along the road just uh, supporting it. And uh, the people just going by supporting the people who were supporting it. It was with honking and everything. It was something's changed. This is different. Brilliant. And mainstream media, any, any see them? Did you see them at all? Any peep from them? I, I didn't see, uh, see them around. There was actually rumor that the daily examiner, which is Elliot Ickeley's 
uh, I've heard actually heard that from Elliot uh, that he was around somewhere in Fongray, but I didn't see any of his people there. There were some in, uh, other independent types, but uh, they did put something out on. I think it's the new. It was the New Zealand Herald, and they called them like copycats and just not just nonsense. Oh. Just and, the, and there's uh, what's this guy's name? Miles something on one of the talk radio uh, programs currently. Well, oh, yeah, I've heard him. Oh, he's not very pleasant. Yeah. He sounds like an English guy. And he he yeah. sounds just like rough as guts. Yeah. And mm. he was just tearing into them. And it was all supposition. Like, it was all mm. supposition, just ripping into him. He contradicted himself a couple times. And I thought, okay, here, they can't ignore it anymore. So mm. they're going after it. Yeah. 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 Oh, and the mm. convoys in, um, in Ottawa. Um, uh, are settling in for the second week, and yeah, and it's very, very upbeat there. I got, I got um, the Epoch news. Um, I think I'll send it on to you, Grant. Uh, I'm, oh, thanks. I'm subscribe to them, and yeah. oh, yeah. great, a lot, of, a lot of great videos. You know, the spirits are up. They're going to stay there, and um, and and move on to other places as well. Um, and and bring these mandates down, and that's and the people are determined now. That's that's, that's it. good. They've made yeah. up their mind that they run the country, yeah. not the government. Yep. Yeah, they put the government there. They've got to do what they're told. They've got to obey the mandate the people gave them. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I've been, I, someone sent me yesterday a, f- a video of um, the police, the Ottawa police chief, and he was saying yeah. that uh, they were going to fine uh, that. Anyone that's loitering, uh, you know, oh, yeah. wa- you know, waving at them, uh, ten thousand yeah. dollars and all this heavy-handed yeah, yeah. stuff. But I can't find yeah. that video now. I wonder if it was taken down. Yeah. Oh, they'll be, they'll be, you know, used in evidence against these people. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, as far as giving tickets out, we know what we do with those, don't we? We we yeah. defend yeah. them in the end, but um, we can we can string them out for as as long as we want anyway. So getting on to that, what what's been happening with the Lone Star? I got a, um, oh, yeah. I I got a report from them of um, Brendan's um, speech today, um, and it's fantastic. He's got everything in it, and uh, urging the um, urging the um, business owners to open up and you know yeah. that they're going to yeah. fight um, and you know that WorkSafe are backing off and they're scared and uh, you know been passing on to them all of the reports I've been getting from various insiders etc and he talks about that and yeah it's um, extremely it is a huge change you know it just felt like push 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 and then suddenly we're through, and you know everybody's and the whole and a whole lot of people are now surging, surging through that break that's um, been made in their consciousness. I'd say mm. of um, of New Zealanders. It's it's a great thing to was see. It, was that his written speech or uh, was uh, it his written? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, When's I'll he send deliver it that? over. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you know when he'll deliver that? I don't know. I'll send it over mm. to your email and you can – um, uh, I might be able to read it for you. Mm. Um, let's see if I can do that while I keep talking to you. Now, what do I do? We go over here somewhere, don't we? No, we don't want to exit the room. Someone in the chat says, OMG, is this Liz? Awesome. I came to the right place. 
find, Thank you. I'll find uh, Steph's letter. Oh, yeah. uh, here we go, I think. We'll invite them in. They might want yeah. to talk to you, Liz. Oh, cool. Um, no, busy. Yeah, oh, they were, at a, they were at a freedom rally. And she, oh, says, okay. she says, hi, Liz, here is what we said at the freedom rally in the domain yesterday. Oh, and we awesome. went to lunch to Brian yes. and Hannah Tamaki's. Unbelievable. Okay. It was such a great afternoon. Mm. Now, let's see what they had to say. Um, I read it and I was so impressed with them. Uh, you know, from sort of really, you know, feeling down like you can see they're, they're very up. Okay, it, it says it's the Daily Examiner has reported yeah. it and it says a stepping stone from the Lone Star. Um, in front of a crowd on Saturday, Brendan Pas Pascoe spoke. These are his words. And he said, hi, I'm Brendan Pascoe, and this is my partner, Stephanie Cowie. Today, together we owned and operated the Lone Star New Lynn for the past seven years. In that time, we won our local best bar and eatery New Lynn 2019 and 2020. At our franchise awards in 2019, we won the Top Sales Award Auckland and the B Staunch Walk Tall Award for overcoming adversity with the New Lynn floods. Operationally, we always strive to be the best we could, and we achieved 100% compliance with our MPI audits two years running. No other loanee can claim that. During the short time that we opened our doors to everyone, we did the highest sales across all of the restaurants, disproving any argument that we brought the brand into disrepute. You, the people, helped us to achieve that and proved where the mood of the country lies. It was a clear message. More importantly, this week of trade enabled us to pay out all the holiday pay we owed to our wonderful staff and ensured we could honour our suppliers. For that, we thank each and every one of you who came and supported us. We met and talked with as many people as we were able. We shared stories and tears, laughter and joy. We provided a space where people could come with their family and friends without fear of judgment or discrimination. The relief we saw on people's faces when they realised they didn't have to don a mask or be asked to see their papers was, in, was itself a joy to us. The vibe at, in the restaurant was amazing, pure joy. With hands on hearts, we can say these 10 days were the highlight of our career in this industry. To our fellow hospitality owners, do not be afraid to fully reopen and trade. This government does not own your business. WorkSafe does not own your business. You own your business. You know what is right for your situation. Don't let our termination by Lone Star franchise deter you from your course. Had it not been for that added complication, we would still be open and trading fully today. We were not afraid of WorkSafe and their unenforceable fines. Just remember, WorkSafe is now a criminal organisation for Excellent. their part in, <laughs> get that one, yeah, uh, and yeah, their that's... part in enforcing these draconian rules. Do not be afraid of their fines. They will come to nothing because what has happened is unlawful law. 
pure and simple. Open your doors and let the people come unmolested and safe within our community. We the people have the power. Just remember that. We spoke with Steve Oliver yesterday. He told us there has been no further sign of WorkSafe or any more fines. Do not be afraid of them. They have been instructed that they, if they come across aggressive business owners, not to give their details. That in itself is illegal. By law, they must identify themselves by showing you their personal photo ID and business card. If they don't do this, then ask them to leave. If they don't, trespass them. These Very you can good. print out yourself and have ready. This morning, we had a word through... We had word through from Liz Lambert. She had been told overnight that WorkSafe inspectors turned up at the, to the Nelson Freedom Markets in Mufti to protect their frontline inspectors so that they couldn't conduct their investigations without anyone knowing. These investigations will not hold up in court, so again, don't be afraid. We know through a government whistleblower that the true number of unvaccinated in New Zealand is actually closer to 40%. You know this too. Otherwise, why would she hold us in this unsustainable red light setting for the entire country again? This time with no subsidies or financial help whatsoever. For hospitality, this is totally unsustainable now. This is the death knell for my industry. The cost of doing business in New Zealand is skyrocketing and is only going to get worse. Watch as our industry dies a slow and prolonged death, meaning there will be nowhere for any New Zealander to go to. With so many Kiwi businesses folding in the past two years, where does that leave your economy, our economy? Small and medium-sized enterprises make a significant contribution to the New Zealand economy, accounting for 90 7% of all New Zealand businesses, employing more than 630,000 people or 29% of all New Zealand employees, generating 28% of New Zealand gross national product. Who is going to pay for the unvaccinated who are now deemed unworthy to hold down a job or a business? That's right, New Zealand. The vaccinated with an increase in taxes. No surprises there. This having been done, to further divide our country with resentment and hatred. Now insurance companies are putting the stop on helping the vaccine injured. ACC or the government doesn't want to pay for these, and neither does the private sector, it would seem. The, this government has deceived and tricked businesses right across the country into thinking that they should mandate their own employees to be vaccinated. That it, it is the right thing to do. While all, covering, all while covering up the mounting evidence of vaccine injuries and deaths caused by the very thing we were told would save us. How many more people need to have their lives irreversibly changed before we wake up and say enough is enough, New Zealand? The evidence is right here in front of us all. We simply have to look. Mun's mainstream media have not been reporting any of this because they are bought and paid for by this government. The Ministry of Health has four full-time journalists employed to spin every negative story. You will not get the truth from them. 
These private mandates being enacted by businesses across every industry are a personal choice made by the business owner. This is not a legal requirement in New Zealand. By encouraging business to take on this, uh, take this on, our government has cleverly passed on all liability to you as the person conducting a business or undertaking. This means that if you are one of these businesses who have done this, you are now personally liable for any injury or death as a result of the vaccine. For the death of a worker, the penalties can be up to $3 million or five years in jail. New Zealand, you have been duped. As a nation, we have been far too complacent in, in our trust of this government. Jacinda set New Zealand up for this with her handling of the Christchurch mosque shooting. She won the hearts of Kiwis and people worldwide with her show of compassion and kindness. She should have won an Emmy for that performance. Off the back of that, she had New Zealanders eating out of the palm of her hand. She had us. It really isn't too far a stretch to get to this point. As Kiwis, we want to seem as kind and compassionate, caring, tolerant and compassionate. No one wants to believe that the government is out to destroy the fabric of our society. To what end? But that is exactly what has happened and is happening. We have an opportunity to make a difference. Our politicians are not listening to we the people. Our government is not acting in the best interests of our country. The resulting social harm her government has caused will be felt for generations. It is clear as day there is another agenda, and it is all coming out now. People have been asking us what they can do to help. Here is our response to that. We have been too soft, New Zealand, too nice. We cannot com you cannot comply your way to freedom. Now is the time to stop complying. Stop wearing masks masks. Stop using vaccine passports. If you are using a fake vaccine passport, stop. This is a form of compliance as well. <clears throat> you are saying it is okay to use them when it suits you. Throw them all out. Stop being a government enforcer. You are not being paid to do so, so why do it? This all falls over New Zealand if we all stop complying en masse. Other countries have done it. When we, when we, when will Kiwis get a backbone and say enough is enough? No one is going to ride in on a white horse and save us. We need to save ourselves. The other way you can help us is to help us build our war chest for our upcoming legal battle. We will be fighting this on two fronts and it's going to be epic. If you can help us, then please go to our new Telegram page called Brendan and Steph Support, and you will find the details there. Thank you very much, New Zealand. Thank you for your support, Brendan Pascoe. And then he's given the link, um, uh, he's given the link to the Telegram group. So there you go. Pretty good, eh? What do you think of that, Shane? Pretty, pretty good. Now, when I, th when I last talked to them last week with the lawyer, they were mm. only thinking of fighting on one front, but uh, I think they, they might actually, um, you know, be opening up again soon, not as Lone Star, but as something mm. else, and fighting WorkSafe as well, as well so, as the so, franchise so, so. or... 
So for those just joining us, uh, Liz Lambert, lawyer from Auckland and advisor to the Lone Star um, owners, Brendan and Steph Pascoe. And that was the um, speech that Brendan read out at the domain today uh, in Auckland. Uh, yesterday, Auckland I think it was. Oh, yesterday um, was it? Not today. Yeah. Oh, okay. There was a. Was there a? I didn't realise that. What was happening there? Just a big rally. Well, there must have been another rally yesterday. Oh, good. At the, at the museum. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Good on them. Yeah. So they're basically saying that businesses just forget about, just open up, forget about everything, and don't. And for us. Because I've got one of those, uh, I actually have a um, uh, exemption for a mask, but I'm going to chuck no, it away. Yeah. Now he's right. I th- he's made me realise that that's silly. I shouldn't even have one. And there are those with fake ones, I think. But um, yeah, that's a, that is a form of um, compliance. Um, compliance, isn't it? Yeah, it mm. is. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I, good. somebody said, can we make it three fronts? We can make it as many fronts as we want, people. Everybody's so what are the fronts? Can you to, name um, Put in, you know. Sorry, Liz. What are the Sorry. fronts? The two fronts. No, it's right. It's just this Podbean does that. It's got a delay. Um, what are the two fronts that they're fighting on? Well, they're fighting, fighting WorkSafe and they're work fighting, safe. Um, I believe they'll fight WorkSafe, you know, in terms of, of um, um, fighting those those tickets, what I call tickets, mm. and um, and also they're going to fight um, their franchise or, but um, you know I mean I, I I think you know the more the enemy is attacked on on every in every way you can you can imagine uh, or, ma- or you know get get thinking about it the better. Um, and I'm talking about legal. Um, I'm talking about legal um, methods. I'm not talking about um, you know stuff um, uh, that um, uh, will cause any harm to anybody. But we yep. want to cause them legal harm, of course. Uh, yep, but we're quite absolutely. entitled to do that because they've mm. attacked us. That's for sure. Yep. It's um, it's um, obviously self-defence. <laughs> we have to take up the cudgels against them. Um, I talked. Um, I talked quite a lot last night. Was it? Um, I talked about the the waiver. I'm trying to encourage yes. people. Quite yeah. a few people are picking up the waiver. Tell us about the, that. Um, yeah. Well, that's where you can you can you know people talk about their rights, but one of the one of the ways you can exercise that right is to um, is actually to give it up, um, a, a right, a right to um, sue, for example. Now, they some people seem to have in their heads that there's a that that you can be sued by somebody for passing on a um, say if you have a cold or a flu or a COVID or whatever. Um, that mm. seems to be the basis on which um, people are business are being scared. But um, I'd say that what what's going on is that they they are afraid to open up or afraid not to ask for vax passports because they think WorkSafe have got the right to come in and shut them down if they become a place of interest. Well, and they haven't. No. Well, what mm. you can do is what you can do is well they've been doing it. That's yeah. for sure. But yeah, you know but they illegal. need to be legally challenged yeah. over yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, 
so what you can do to bring that challenge on, and I don't even think that they've got the spine to even try it anymore now, mm. um, is um, you can you can produce a sheet, uh, and and then you make sure that everybody who comes in the door, whether they offer up pass vax passports or not, say you can't come in unless you um, you sign a waiver. So if anything happens, you get you test positive for COVID anywhere else or any any place else, or you know after leaving here, then then um, you waive your rights to sue me. Okay. Not that anybody gets sues anybody else, but this is no. the thing. It's it's all to 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 expose the ridiculousness as and the fallacy that there there is any legal right that um uh, that that the government has got to hurt us in the way that it's been doing. You know, because we are we as um, human beings um, have got farm well under the Human Rights Act that that can be used actually. Um, to it was because the Human Rights Act wasn't argued in in conjunction with Bora that those um, that's what I figured out that that's why the um, no jab no job cases have been falling over. It's a bit hard to explain it to you. Um, uh, to I'm just you, writing um, the Bill of Rights Act because you said Bora, and yeah. I thought some, they might not know what that means. The Bill of Rights yeah, Act, 1990. Yeah, but, yeah, nineteen ninety. But it's yeah. the Human Rights Act that you can use in a workplace or 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 any in any situation where you're denied um, access to a place. Yeah. For example, yeah. Um, the Bill of Rights Act. Uh, sorry, the Human Rights Act. When it's when it's um, brought into play there, then if there's an if there's a court case, if any right is is assured. Um, by you know, it's hard to explain this, but but if it's a human right that's in, that's in the Human Rights Act, then it works with the Bill of Rights Act. So they can't come in and do this weighing of rights of uh, when there's a judicial review. You see, the um, the no jab no job case seems to have been a judicial review case. Um, it was strangely taken. If it had been taken through the employment court, it probably would have worked properly. But for some reason, it was taken as a judicial review and then got it all um, tangled up with, with Bill of Rights, which is fine that it's because we have to use the two acts together. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a mind map of how it works and I'm going to put it on the Section 83 NZ page so people can see it um, as, a, as a way of breaking down the legal steps that, that, that actually, um, that actually uh, make it work. So, so those, those sorts of right, that, that right about not being... Um, um, in fact, I don't know how Justice Cook found... <laughs> not in favour, if you like. Um, it, it's totally ridiculous. And it, he says at one part of that judgment that I was talking about the other night on Friday night, right? He says at one point the judge says, "Oh, that 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 you know." Um, he first he talks about the right to be free from medical and um, 
medical, you know, and experimentation, etc. Yeah. Under I think it's um, Section Nine of the Bill of Rights Act, and then he talks about how Miss Gray had, um, you know, also, you know, said that these other rights were being um, trampled on. Well, he then says, "Oh, those can be dismissed out of hand." Because, of course, the case was about no jab, no job. So why the, why the, the actual employment stuff wasn't, um, you know, I mean, how, how it could be found that, that you know, um, there was any doubt at all that, um, that, you know, they should have won their case. Uh, is is just beyond me. I don't. I don't know. I haven't read the whole thing, but mm. I mean, yeah. he says himself on page eleven that that coercion has definitely occurred, and and it brings into play section, um, you know, no jab, no job. It definitely brings into play that that um, Bora. Um, uh, that you know that that section ten in Bora, which which is right not to be, um, you know, you may not be subject to medical experimentation, and mm. then they go off on some sort of tangent, and sort of get away from the point, you know, when, when really that should be. I think sometimes lawyers chuck too much in, you know, hoping something would stick rather than co focusing on what they really should be focusing on. But if you don't know the Health and Safety at Work Act and if you're unfamiliar with employment law, you probably do do a lot of floundering around. I don't, I don't know. It's a damn tragedy for the people who, um, who since that case was lost, have, have gone and got jabs or lost their jobs anyway. That's all I can yeah. say. It, but anyway, um, mm. maybe maybe Justice Cook will be another one that'll have to be um, questions quite closely about things. Who knows? We'll, we'll end up on Dan Suter's um, Nuremberg NZ page as a accused. Suter? Is that what mm. his name is? Hmm. S-U-T-E-R, Dan Suter, Nuremberg. I wonder if that right. page has been taken down yet with... I wonder if Cindy's ever got to it. Well, this is funny, you know, because um, I was talking to someone this afternoon mm -hmm. about someone who's um, got the same it's name. Still there. Uh, okay, uh, there's just someone in the in the in the prime minister's office with the same name. That's all. That's all. It's interesting. Mm. Oh, well, Dan oh, Dan is a oh, former leftist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think he's I, I think he's doing a pretty good job. No, everybody. Um, no, I've called him. I've heard him called Sutton and um, other names. Uh, no, are you I, sure? I, unless Suter. I'm saying it wrong, Dan Suter. Is it S U T E R? Or S O U T E R? No, this one's no, S, S U T E R. Dan Suter. Okay, different name. Mm, it's a different name. So, anyway. No, it's a so I've got it completely around the wrong way. Yeah. Well, um, everybody. My needs apologies to be, if I have. Everybody needs to be checking their, um, checking who's in the prime minister's office for a start, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Needs to be checking the names of all, you know, because all of these people boast about their positions mercilessly, all right? So if you look up any of these things, um, these places, you know, MedSafe, etc., who's who in the zoo, 
you can get um, do it quickly before they start taking them down. Because mm. we we make make lists of names. I've got loads of lists of names. Every time I get trouble, or I hear of my clients getting trouble, I don't get trouble. But um, I make a list of who's who's who in the zoo, whether it be the employer or the yeah. That's a good idea. Well, thank you very well, much, Liz. It's all going to I... be about people in the end, isn't it? Mm, it's all going yeah. to be about trials and and people getting justice, and you've got to know who who did what. Exactly. Well, that people have to be accountable for what they've mm. done to our countries, they both uh, here and abroad, the UK, Europe, and America, mm. and Australia. Mm. Australia, I think, has probably been hit one of the worst hit in the Western world. Yeah. With the draconian yeah, any more measures news of the the um, convoys up there, Grant. Uh, yes, um, the man for that is uh, our resident ha- uh, pharmacist. I was going to say homeopath. <laughs> Sorry, Shane. We're not there yet. Tell us what's happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping and praying he's become the, going to become one of the world's top homeopaths. But I, I don't think he's going to do it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> so, so the uh, as far as the the convoy that uh, came from the north, it's been uh, traveling down. It's not stopping overnight. The one coming up from the south has camped out, I believe, in Christchurch, and I, uh-huh. I hear on that one there's 500 trucks and 400 cars. So that's a mighty big one as well. Um, mm. Getting get also getting news that it that it's just uh, an incredibly big convoy from the north with everybody who's joined after they went out of the uh, Northland. So uh, it's, I, I think I mentioned this, the people calling in saying that it's bigger than the groundswell protest. And these are just oh, random people who are driving down the road, calling in on talk, uh, talk radio. Talk yeah. back. It's absolutely bigger. I can see that just from the videos that I've been watching, you know, from Chantel Baker uh, and, uh, and other, and yourself. It is bigger, way bigger. And, and it's not, the nighttime isn't stopping the supporters either. There were people oh, standing right. and blowing wind and rain uh, and, and putting their support for this convoy at night. And you just That's go, fantastic. and you just go, this, it's yeah. changed. And it's not just a mm. few people, it's many people who are mm. out still mm. in, in those circumstances. And you just look at it and you go, this this is going to change things. It, it, it's already changed things, but this will mm-hmm. change things. So it's not about, it's not about what will happen with the convoy. Now it's, it's about how will parliament respond to what this is. I mm. think, we, I think we're, we're there on day one, which is, a, which I think is a really good place to be. Yes. Well, if, if parliament has resumed because What's happened with when we talk about Parliament? I'm I'm thinking the House of Representatives. They have the right to to strike down any order that the executive makes. But but are they um, are they there? Are they do they understand what they're supposed to be doing? I don't know. I don't know what's going on because, of course, in Parliament you've got a lot of a whole lot of ring-ins. You've got all of these list MPs who, you know, are basically mm. um, um, political lapdogs. Well, it's. I think it's less about what they do legislatively and more about the political pressure that's been placed upon them now, to where they're mm. they're, they're going to be looking for some options. Where right now, or yesterday, we'll call it. 
They mm. just didn't care. They just went on. Like as I noticed, National is especially with uh, Chris Luxon on board out of his mm. conference yeah. at Christchurch. He sounds like he's be that he's trying to switch his party to become Labor. Like I, 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 I read what he said, and I was like, well then just change your colors and, and join labor because there's no point in saying this stuff. You sound like the world economic forum or a global young leader. So just go for it. So uh, it's political pressure and it's not just political pressure that would be applied from this, this, what we're going to, I'm just going to call a massive protest or a massive convoy. This is, uh, this is from the world now. So we're seeing mandates yeah. drop in other countries. We're seeing, the countries that have been hit pretty hard in Canada is probably, I think, the second one that's been hit the hardest. It's Australia is certainly number one, but Canada is the second one. And mm. just brutal, just this brutal enforcement class there. But now what we're seeing is, in spite of a chief of police for somewhere standing up and you know, being very verbose and a lot of bravado going on there, uh, we're not going, it, it's, they're not doing anything. The military wouldn't even commit to doing anything with the convoy. This is basically, it's not our problem. So <laughs> the latest right. word is, is that the uh, Trudeau and his boys have called up the intelligence agencies to come help them. Now. Oh, that'll help. Yeah. yeah. That, that'll be help. That'll be really helpful. <laughs> so, so, so they're in a, they're in a bind and we're talking about mandates dropping into the countries. talk about huge convoys, just clogging up the system in, in other Commonwealth countries and New Zealand has now come on board. We're number, we're the second one to go now. Canada, New Zealand, and probably America will follow behind us. Australia is trying to start something up, but it doesn't look like it's going just yet. So mm. uh, New Zealand uh, is, uh, well, what do you Kiwis say? Punching above your weight. Uh, oh, punching above the weight. Yeah, well, we yeah, I don't think that would happen. Like that. I, I, yeah. Last week, yeah. this, I, I think we talked about it. I didn't think we would have it in us. I thought Australia yeah. would be doing this big convoy before us, but, uh, you know, my hat comes off to them. What a great job. Fabulous. Yeah. And all the people supporting them, all yeah. sorts of people out there. And they just look like regular mums and dads, family yeah. people. They're not activists. Well, we need it. We, we've got enough rain, thank you, God. So we mm. will um, <laughs> you just, think uh, you're doing the tap off we'll now. just have it dry <laughs> it up now, please. <laughs> but that shows you the resolve, doesn't it, Shane? It does. Yeah, it's an incredible thing, and and a lot of people, you know, said you know that it's just not the Kiwi way, and it's I've had one guy who is he's a bit black pilled, he is not jabbed, but he's not uh, he's not very let's go protest sort of guy, but he he just sort of knows what's happening around, and he's just like oh gonna take a long time oh gonna take and that the breakneck speed that things are developing as they develop now. He's backed off of that. He's like, okay, this mm-hmm. this will actually do it. So, even your average, and he's you know he's an average, uh, great Kiwi bloke sort of guy. But there's a shift happening. There's the mindsets are starting starting to change. The businesses I talk to are they don't like any of this stuff. Now they still have some uh, some hope in National, which I, I'm going to go talk to them about and hopefully destroy. But uh, <laughs> they are they are seeing the era of of these ways with all this mandates and the, and the red lights and the lockdowns. So they're ready to get out of it too. So we're at a point, a critical point uh, in a world scene, because, you know, they love to tell us how this is a world phenomenon that we've got to be safe from it. Well, 
this is what I'd say. Well, it is a worldwide phenomenon. It's it's a reset, but it's not the reset you were looking for. So there is a populist uprising happening, and there's nothing they can do about it. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's very, very, very heartening to see. Um, we, we won't stop with the Section 83, of course. We'll keep pushing um, mm. just in case somebody's missed the fact that, you know, the, the country wants to open up again and we're going to do it um, because we some of the corporates that we're dealing with um, are just, you know, this is their last chance, if you like, mm. to um, to be, you know, the other half of, you know, join hands with the state and, and just um, turn us into a, into slaves, really. So um, this is – and I, I don't believe that they even understood um, that it was going to involve a, a genocide, if you like. Um, you I don't, don't I don't think they oh, – no, I don't think mm. they did. Um, maybe people like Schwab and people like that, but, yeah, and the medical profession, yeah, you know, up in the top, top, top ones, yeah. Mm. I think they did – I think they knew it, but I don't think um, even – you know, people like the, the head of Fletcher's and that. I don't think that they actually understood that, and they and because it, it suited them to have a, to strip out their workforce and ha, and replace it with robotics and AI and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they they went along and thought, oh, this will be good. Um, uh, let me, but, let me just, but, let me just yeah. comment on, on something you got there. You said there, Liz. Let, let's not give the medical profession the pharmacy professionals, the nursing professionals, any room here. These are people who are trained. I don't care if they're at the top or the bottom. They were trained to clinically and critically think and review studies and they are derelict in their duty. So I I don't have any mercy for these people. Their one job, I mean, if you're a physician, it's do no harm. If you're a pharmacist, it's Mm. protect the patient. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree with you, Shane. I'm just talking about the, you know, the people like the, the places that didn't have to mandate, right? These private mandates, those people. Um, you know, I think that was all a big so-called business decision for them. Uh, No, the 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 medical, um, the medical lot are definitely i mean that's their job to, to to do no harm in fact to try and cure people of things but um in a way but uh yeah i mean to to just um not even look at their own um you know the inserts of the of of what was and to to actually look at what was behind the studies and everything just shocking just shocking mm. Yeah, and they had, uh, we knew with the rollout for the 5 to 11-year-olds that the guidance given to the FDA on the studies that were performed, Pfizer itself admitted that the studies were not powered well enough to pick up from myocarditis because they Mm -hmm. weren't run long enough and there weren't enough participants in the study. And the Mm -hmm. FDA knew that. Well, if the FDA knew that and it's public information, Pfizer has stated it, I on, you know, at the mask face, we'll call it, can find mm-hmm. that out. Then what about the mask face? I like that. Yeah. 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 So so there's just there's forgiveness is a, is a tough one here because they've just 
went along with it because they were told to. And that's just not yes. good enough. No, it's not. It's complete dereliction of duty, as you'd say. Um, the, um, that, the interview with um, Brett Power was very, very good. That was very great, wasn't good. it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, and he explained um, how, you know, his case, that he's um, got a filing number four and everything um, down in Wellington, and he explained it extremely well. Um, um, you know how I was saying um, that I was a bit worried about, actually, that he'd named Andrew Little instead of Chris Hipkins? Well, I was talking, uh, I was talking with another lawyer about that today and said, well, Actually, I think it could be um, we could get not get round it, but you could you could actually add to the information um, in that original um, filing with the police, and you could actually put another um, you know with the same um, the same the same information but you could put Chris Hipkins' name on it. And, you sh and while, whilst the people are down in Wellington, um, then file it in one of the Wellington police stations, probably the Wellington Central, and, um, and then give them um, an, a day, you know, when, once people get to Wellington, and then go and um, do a citizen's arrest on him up in Upper Hutt, Hipkins. So, you know, um, you get... Um, you do, we have to ask his, do we have to ask his mom if he's home? <laughs> he lives in he lives in Riverstone Drive up in um, Upper Hutt. I can't remember the name that the number now. Remember that time that Saturday morning we had that bit of a discussion, Grant? I do with um, Dennis Hall, and he was horrified that we even that you'd even suggest that we'd go and stand outside their politicians. <laughs> Homes, but I think he might be yes. changing his mind now. I well, think he realizes he that these people are actually committing genocide against us. Yeah, yeah, I hope mm. he is. And well, I, I mean, it's terrible. Because this was quite a long time ago. This was Christmas, I think, last yeah. year, it wasn't was, it? Yeah. Because he said, what well, was it, Christmas? It was a long time ago. It was a while ago. Oh, no, it was before yeah. Christmas. It was well before was Christmas. It? Yeah, well I'm sure it was like October. That's right, because oh, that's what it would have been. Yeah, mm. it was. It was Christmas. Yeah, last year, of course. But mm. um, uh, he, because Hipkins had said, "Well, you know, we're going to come and hunt you down if you don't. You know, the vaccinated, we're going to come and hunt you down." So that sort of stirred me. So I, um, I found out where he lived from the. Um, from the roles, and I've found out where quite a few of them lived, actually. I've got a whole sheet of paper somewhere with all of the different addresses on because I went through all of the um, all of the roles that I could find um, at the library, which, of course, is closed to me now, but um, got, got, many, um, got many addresses for various ministers. Um, yeah, tons of them. Andrew Little's one, I got his his proper address and everything. And, um, yeah, so we were talking about that, and, yeah, it was like, oh, no, you can't go to people's houses. Well, he was talking about coming to ours. So. That's right. He said uh, after yeah. Christmas, uh, yeah, we, yeah. Will, we will um, – we'll, oh, what was I wish I still had that. We'll, we'll, we'll look for you. We'll come to you. Yeah, we'll find yeah, you. Was a clip, it was like, hunt you down, wasn't it? Yeah, we'll find yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I kept yep. waiting for him to come down my chimney, but he just... <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Where's my bike? I never got one last Christmas. Wolf comes down the chimney. You know, you put that big <laughs> pot of water on to boil. <laughs> boiling, boiling water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, you know, those those fairy stories are pretty good. Three little pigs. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, thank you very much, Liz. That was very enlightening. Okay. Thank you too, Shane. I, know what, I did want to so, mention um, before we run off of here that yeah, I saw a, a submission, and I don't know exactly the details of it, but it seemed very similar to what Brett Power did on Andrew Little and Chris Hipkins today. They're, they videoed it in a police station. And also Jacinda Ardern, a separate one. I saw oh, Jacinda yes. Ardern and um, um, Grant Robinson done by this woman. She was very, very good. Yep. yep Brilliant. Yes. I don't know where, where that was, yeah. but I saw that yesterday. It was. I think I sent it to you, Liz. She yeah, was serving, yeah. serving well, the police. Yes, with that's a, right. I did see that. To investigate. Yeah, the more the merrier, as I say. The more the merrier. Yep. The yep. more they, fronts they have to fight on, the better. They've bitten off more than they can chew this this lot, haven't they? These women communists. I think we're we've we I think people have we are a bit slow to start, we are a bit passionless, but once mm. you know, but once the we go so far and then it's a slow it's called a slow fuse, isn't it? We we're not gonna take it anymore. And we That's won't get it. forward again, will we? There's no doubt about that. Cheers. So thank you very much, Liz. Thank you, okay. Shane. Good night. Good night. See so, yeah, I'm going to play um, Dr. David Martin for it's about 20 minutes, so hang around and hear that. It's very, very good. He thinks that it was a bioweapon all along, and he should know. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Good night. SARS-CoV-2 was a coup d'etat, and let me be precise about what I mean by that. Sedition 
in the United States is actually defined very simply by when any act is done by a conspiring party or group of parties that's intent is to disrupt or interrupt or overtake the government of a state or a country. And under 18 U.S. Code, the act of sedition was in fact a coup d'etat to ensure that there would not be a democracy in 2018. Okay? And I'm going to present across the next few minutes the evidence of that. And I'm going to end my presentation with a challenge to you. Because during my presentation, the 30 minutes that I have is going to cost two children their life because of the inaction of every attorney general in America, because of the inaction of every U.S. attorney, and because of the inaction of every governor in this country. But my grandfather said, never attribute to malevolence what is ignorance. So in the next 30 minutes, I'm giving every elected official the opportunity to do the right thing. And after 30 minutes, I'm not going to give them that opportunity again. So you got Mr. Nice Guy for 30 minutes. Next. Now, most of you don't know the details of all of the elements. And the good news is I'm going to flip through these slides very quickly because the end of the story is the important part of the story. But for those of you who don't know, COVID is a direct result of HIV, Inc. HIV, Inc. was founded in 1984. Anthony Fauci was the chief architect of HIV, Inc., and his goal was to use sexuality, and specifically homosexuality, as a way to indoctrinate humanity into the acceptance of a universal vaccine mandate. Now, interestingly enough, most of us didn't take the bait. And the reason we didn't is because we didn't live the lifestyles that were associated with HIV in 1984. But cunningly, by 1986, Anthony Fauci and his team at NIAID and his minions at the CDC had convinced each and every one of us that maybe we would be in a car accident, maybe we would get a transfusion, and maybe we would get AIDS, which was the justification for a universal HIV vaccine in 1984. It's going to get nasty because I'm going to show you some real images from 1984 just to let you see that what I'm saying is not my imagination. But in 1984, something happened. People realized that to accept a universal vaccine, we needed to create a liability shield for the manufacturers of those vaccines. And from 1984 to 1986, we actually built the first ever product immunity in the United States, which allowed manufacturers to kill people with intent. And you heard what I just said, kill people with intent. Anthony Fauci was quoted himself as saying, that the ultimate killer of pharmaceutical interventions with vaccines was the smallpox vaccine, which killed one in every 100,000 and injured or maimed one in every 10,000. Did you hear what I just said? Killed one in 100,000, maimed one in 10,000, 
And that was something that he thought he could turn into a universal vaccine for HIV in 1986. I don't know what an acceptable death rate is for you people, but an acceptable death rate for any product anywhere in the history of humanity in my definition is zero. But then a little dirty secret came along. Somebody at NIH said, hey, Tony, cool your jets, baby. We have this drug called AZT, and we don't want a vaccine too quickly. We want to kill people with AIDS with AZT, so let's run the clock on it. And the state of North Carolina, and by the way, if you're from North Carolina or you've done anything in North Carolina, you got tar on your heels and blood on your hands. Because the state of North Carolina, since 1986, has been brought to you by HIV, Inc. That's a bummer. I think I just lost the elected officials in North Carolina. Shoot, I couldn't even make it through a presentation. UNC Chapel Hill began the weaponization of coronavirus in 1986. But by 1996, Anthony Fauci had a little plan. Coronavirus, as a model, has a very interesting set of attractive attributes, which include this very interesting thing called a spike protein and a couple other binding sites where the virus allegedly binds to the outside of the cell. And it turns out that Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill was the very first person to figure out how to take a pathogen which used to be an infection of the gut, gastroenteritis. For over 30 years, coronavirus was gastroenteritis. But Ralph Barrick figured out how to weaponize it. And not weaponize the virus, weaponize the spike protein. And he was the one that figured out how to make a thing that used to hit your gut, hit your heart. That was gain of function, ladies and gentlemen, the thing that we never did, allegedly. He did it, and in 1996, he received a grant, and then a series of grants in 1999 by Anthony Fauci to actually weaponize the coronavirus spike protein so it could be used as a vaccine vector with the idea that it would be the next HIV vaccine. That's when I started watching this. I've been a locust-eating prophet in the wilderness because my first briefing on this was in 1999. My first intelligence briefing on this was in 2003 in a published document that I have sitting on my desk to remind me that sometimes being right isn't as good as being effective. It turns out I was right in 2003, and unfortunately, I wasn't effective. But Fauci ran into another problem. And in 1999 to 2002, and patented by the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and conveniently in the fall of 2018, do you all remember the, the big coronavirus outbreak of 2018? No, that's because there wasn't one. Um, but in an unprecedented move, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, was forced to sign their SARS vaccine patent from UNC Chapel Hill 
back to NIH. By the way, that hasn't been done. But they did it in the fall of 2018. Does it feel like they were preparing for something? Next slide. Now, do not read this slide, because I used to hate professors who put reading charts and eye exams on slides. Don't read it. With any luck, Clay Clark can figure out how to make all of this presentation available to you, and I hope he does, because that's what it's for. But in 1984, we created the vaccine nightmare, and we let Anthony Fauci have $191 billion. And you heard the number right, billion. We've been told about $3.7 million going to China, and we're supposed to be upset about that. How about $191 billion of your taxpayer money that has gone to weaponize nature against humans? 191 billion. And let's, let's do the, the little walkthrough, shall we? 1984, we invent the vaccines for HIV, which led to death and permanent disability to over 50% of the participants. But that was okay because they were gay. That was okay. And it gets worse, okay? 2001, you remember the anthrax scare, the domestic terrorism scare? Did anybody know that the U.S. military in the spring of 2001 ordered 300 million doses of ciprofloxacin? 300 million doses. Now, we have a pretty compelling army in this country, but with all due respect, 300 million sounds like an every citizen in America. It doesn't sound like every member of the U.S. military. And how is it that at least five months before anthrax was released, we ordered 300 million doses of the treatment called ciprofloxacin from a, oh, that's right, a German company called Bayer. That's, by the way, when I started busting these stories because it turns out that this wasn't the only pathogen that was being developed by the Department of Defense. And it was interesting because in the early 2000s, I started seeing coronavirus show up in a bunch of DARPA contracts and a bunch of DOD contracts, and I'm sitting there going, why would we be doing that? Why would we be taking a thing which was for dogs and porcine, that's pigs, by the way, that's a scientific term for pigs, Think bacon, you got it. Um, pigs and, and various other vertebrates. Why would we suddenly be trying to weaponize that and make it hit human lung epithelial cells and human cardiac cells? Why would we be doing that? And why would the Defense Department be doing that? Is that where you expect to go to kind of get your kind of basic treatment programs? No! And you don't go there because it sounds like a weapon system if it's being funded by billions of dollars of Defense Department black contracts, doesn't it? Or is that Dave the conspiracy theorist? Well, let's jump into my favorite 2006, sorry, 2014-16 protocol, the AMP protocol. The AMP protocol has a line that I absolutely love. This was when we decided to let the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill develop the HIV vaccine. And it turns out that read what they said about this protocol. It will take place in sites, 24 sites, 
in Brazil, Peru, and the United States, and will enroll 2,700 men and transgender people who have sex with men. What? That's, by the way, straight out of the protocol. If you don't believe what I say about the fact that Fauci has no concern for human life, but is more than happy to kill people who most people think shouldn't live anyhow, guess what happens? We start introducing the camel's nose under the tent, and we start saying it's okay to kill people in the advancement of science. Now listen, people, listen carefully. I am not advocating for any lifestyle, but what I am saying is that when you've decided that you're playing God and that there is a person by any designation that doesn't deserve to live, you left humanity. Period. If any of you see my wife, you know I'm very heterosexual and very happy. But that doesn't justify making a determination that somebody who doesn't share my values is worth killing in the name of HIV, Inc. Let's be clear on that. And then 2016, 2019, and by the way, look at 2019. The hepatitis C vaccine, which guess what has to do with, um, hmm, yeah, another sexual contact story that they tried to turn into. They were killing people that are promiscuous and usually gay and promiscuous, so we don't care about that. I'd love for some of the, the bleeding heart left to actually realize that they're the ones celebrating the execution of the people who they allegedly represent. I think that would be a very interesting proposition because maybe somewhere along the line, we should actually go back to 1984 and look at the ghost of Anthony Fauci in this slide, by the way. If you see the slide that's on the screen, what you'll see is 1984 Anthony Fauci. No kidding, that's what he looked like in 1984. He still looked like that center from the high school basketball team. What? I'm going to tell you, if I had to bet on a basketball team and I knew that Anthony Fauci was the captain of that team in high school, I'd bet against him. And guess what? I'd bet against him now, too, because the dirty little secret is he actually made the statement. It is quite possible, in fact, it's invariable, that we will develop a vaccine for AIDS. Now, you know, sometimes there's things called Freudian slips. People say things and they didn't mean to say it. So I want to give him credit. He probably misspoke. He probably meant to say it's inevitable that we'll do it. But he didn't say that. He said it's invariable that we do it. And it turns out that if you look at the definition of the word invariable, you know what it means? I'm never going to stop doing a thing. Uh-oh. You think we're talking about an, a COVID vaccine right now? No. We're still talking about Anthony Fauci's fantasy of an AIDS vaccine. Don't make a mistake by being fooled. Next slide. Here's the problem. 1984, he had an epic fail. He tried to make an AIDS vaccine, didn't work. 2005, he tried to do H5N1, epic fail. People died, didn't work, people didn't roll up their sleeves, epic fail. And then a bummer of an opportunity came along. In 2018, we actually did have an influenza pandemic. We had a lot of people that died. And guess what we didn't do? We didn't shut down countries, we didn't shut down borders, we didn't shut down schools or churches or anything else. We just let people die. 
and it was seen inside of NIAID as a lost opportunity. Dead people was a lost opportunity. So what he did was he figured out something and he gave the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill a grant to create a pathogen so that we could actually get, and I'm quoting, the public to accept the need for a pan-coronavirus vaccine. We need the media to create the hype to get to the real issues. We need to use that hype to our advantage. Investors will follow if they see profit at the end of the process. That's a quote. National Academy of Sciences, Peter Daszak, 2015, published in the February 2016 Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. This was not a public health problem. This was a bio-warfare act of domestic terrorism meted out on the citizens of the United States and the people of the world. And it was not a lab leak from China. It was not a lab leak from anywhere. It was an intentional weaponization of the spike protein and it is murder and we will call it what it is. It was murder then and it's premeditated murder and we have to be clear on the fact. In fact, never use the word vaccine again. That's like saying that a gun is a propellant of copper. No, it isn't, it's a gun. Call it what it is, next slide. And here's where it gets nasty. You guys know the guy on the right. What you don't know is the guy on the left. And here's the story you don't know about the guy on the left. The guy on the left is Alex Azar. Now what you don't know about the guy on the left is the guy in the portrait further to the left is even a bigger problem, Henry Waxman. Henry Waxman, the, um, the, the, the patron saint of caring about health who was the one that made sure every pharmaceutical company got a shield of liability so they could never be held accountable. That Henry Waxman had a very interesting guy appointed by Trump in 2017, Alex Azar, director of the Department of Health and Human Services. What Trump didn't know, what you didn't know, what most of America didn't know was Alex Azar was an executive, not a physician, an executive at Eli Lilly, and at the time of his appointment, he happened to be under investigation for price-fixing diabetes drugs in Mexico. Hmm. Hmm. In fact, during his now found to be collusion and racketeering and price-fixing and antitrust violation, which turned out to be held to be exactly what I just said, while he was actually trying to deflect attention from the racketeering that he was doing by price fixing insulin in Mexico, he actually made President Trump sign an order that was the execution order for Americans. And President Trump was advised by appointed individuals who never told him the facts. This, ladies and gentlemen, was treason. This was treason. And anybody who wants to point the finger at Donald Trump, the best you can do is say he was subject to corruption and maliciousness and treason and traitors within his circle. That's true. 
But when he signed this, he did not know the cost. He did not know. And the persons who did know was the lobby, P-H-R-M-A, the pharma lobby, the single largest donor in U.S. history to political campaigns. They were the puppets that actually put that paper in front of Donald Trump. And Alex Azar, Alex Azar was the executive responsible for the death and destruction of America. And you have not even heard his name because criminals like to put other people up front while they hide in the shadows. Well, guess what we're not going to let happen today? A lobbyist turned executive turned architect of, oh my gosh, under the Bush administration, Alex Azar was the one who also came up with the PREP Act, which actually shielded companies from liability in the event of a national emergency. Alex Azar is the perpetrator of the largest genocide this country has ever seen, and you do not know his name, but that just changed today. Oops, that was my out loud voice. And it turns out he's the boss of Anthony Fauci, he's the boss of CDC, he's the boss of NIAID, he's the boss of NIH, he's the boss of the FDA, and guess what? He's the first guy that the FBI should cuff, lock up, and put in prison for the rest of his life. That's our target. And don't think I'm actually advocating justice for the sake of justice. I'm advocating justice because the minute we actually have the first felony conviction, the first time, the emergency use authorization vanishes because it turns out that the emergency use authorization cannot stand if the basis of it was a felony, and that's written into the law. <laughs>